0: Are in Scripture, thank you for the music this morning. That was I was blessed immensely by that. Tremendous. Well, let's think about Christmas. And normally, when we when we begin to think about Christmas, we think about gifts. And so I'm thinking this morning. I had to think way back. But what is? And you think with me for just a moment. See if your mind can can, can roll with this. What is the greatest Christmas present you have ever received? Now. Think way back, because, you know, that's what I did. Sometimes it's easy to think about something maybe in the last two or three years. But think back, the greatest Christmas gift that you've ever received. Now, for me, I was thinking back to when I was a a, a young boy, and we'd wake up on Christmas morning, and I can remember every Christmas I always would hope that I would get a Nerf ball. I, I loved Nerf balls. I mean, in fact... I remember a Nerf ball just like that that we got, a a, a yellow round Nerf basketball, indoor ball... I was, uh, my parents were, were divorced, and so we lived with dad every other weekend and mom the rest of the time. And we would take that little yellow round Nerf basketball, and we lived on the second floor of this apartment building. So you can imagine how many times they hit the ceiling uh, and, and said, shut up, that's enough. You know, we kind of had a deal with them that we could play, you know, till about 10. You know, sometimes we'd go overtime. And, uh, but that, that yellow Nerf ball, I loved Nerf ball. And I always would hope that under the tree, with all the gifts, would be a Nerf ball. And uh, I don't know what your favorite Christmas gift was or maybe is, but you know, I hope that gets you to thinking about gift giving. Because that's what we're going to be thinking about for a little while this morning. Now, now don't think that gift giving is a part of the commercializing of Christmas or the secular, secularizing of Christmas. Sometimes I think we we, we make that mistake. We begin to... Uh, almost be critical of those who enjoy gift-giving and purchasing gifts. I, we went out on Friday. Uh, it was Joe's birthday, so we took him to Little Rock, and uh, we ate at a nice place. But we also just went gift shopping. We looked for good deals, and we had a blast we got a head start on you know Christmas for my brother uh, who lives in Las Vegas and Christmas for my parents who live uh, my dad who lives in New Orleans and then Christmas for you know, it's just so fun keeping up with everything. Chloe had all the people she had to buy Christmas gifts for on her hand about down the mid wrist here. I mean just on on every finger. You know she goes, Dad, look, this is how many gifts I have to buy. You know, we just had a a blast. And so don't think of gift giving as a part of the secularizing of of, of Christmas. Because Jesus Christ, remember, is the greatest gift that has ever been given. He is the greatest gift that has ever been given. But I'm going to go a step farther than that, and I'm going to say that Jesus Christ is the greatest gift giver that ever was and is. Jesus loves to give gifts. And the idea of gift giving is, is central to the whole meaning and experience of Christmas. It really is. And so I want to give you simply this morning five Christmas gifts from Jesus. I want to begin with gift number one. And then we'll go through gift number five. These are Christmas gifts that Jesus has given us. And we find these gifts in uh, John chapter 16 as he was having a conversation with his disciples. And it was a beautiful conversation that revealed that God loves to give his children gifts. Just like we enjoy giving each other gifts. And I think we should. Number one, the first gift that I see Jesus giving in John 16 is this, ultimate joy. Ultimate joy. Look at John 16 and beginning in verse number 16. That's where we'll start our text and read through the end of the chapter as we progress through the message. Look at verse 16. A little while and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while and ye shall see me because I go to the Father. Then said some of his disciples among themselves. So he makes this statement about a little while you will see me. And a little while, you know, he, he, he kind of a, a statement that he had made. ...in in Scripture several times prior to this... ...and the disciples begin to whisper amongst themselves... ...as if Jesus could not hear them. And they say amongst themselves, what in the world is he talking about? What is this that he saith unto us, a little while and ye shall not see me... ...and a little while and ye shall see me, because I go to the Father? I love this. They said, therefore, what is this that he saith, a little while... We cannot tell what he saith. And so there's some confusion here about what Jesus is saying when he refers to this, a little while and you shall not see me, and a little while and you shall see me. And we find in Scripture, it's very interesting, but as you trace back through the Gospel of John, you find there were four different occasions when Jesus, and probably more than four, I just have four for you this morning, where Jesus mentioned this thing about a little while. John 7, in verse number 33. Uh, then said Jesus unto them, Yet a little while, and I am with you. And then I go to him that sent me. And then in John chapter 12, in verse number 35, Then said Jesus, or rather Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in the darkness knoweth not whether he goeth. And so again, Jesus says, A little while, I'm going to be with you. And then John 13, verse 33. little children, yet a little while, and I am with you. And then finally, in John 14, verse 19, he says, Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. So can you see that Jesus is trying to tell them something? He's hoping they'll get a hold of this, that they'll understand this. They still don't get it. A little while, a little while, I'm, I'm with you. But in a little while, I'm not going to be with you. And back and forth, Jesus goes with this. He said this a lot. A little while, I'm going to leave. So look, if you would, now in John chapter 16, verse 19. Now, Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him. So obviously, you can't keep secrets from Jesus. (laughs) He knew exactly what they were talking about. He knew what they were saying. They thought they were whispering amongst themselves, but Jesus knew. And says to them, do you inquire among yourselves of that I said? In other words, hey, dudes, are you guys kind of wondering what I was talking about? And they're like, "Uh, uh, yes, yes, we were. You know, he's like, I knew that. A little while, and you shall not see me. And again, a little while, and you shall see me. I I love the patience of Jesus. Although I love the fact that Jesus didn't say, You know what, guys? I've been saying this all throughout your life. Would you please turn your brains on? You guys are idiots. Aren't you glad that Jesus is patient with us? Aren't you glad sometimes when we don't get it, God says, You know what? I understand you don't get it. It's okay. Let me explain it again. And I love Jesus. He's so patient, unlike so many of us. We can learn that from him. And verse 20 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you that ye shall weep and lament. And by the way, many of us are weeping and lamenting in this world. Struggles and trials and things we go through. And even as we live the Christian life, at times we feel isolated and somewhat alone. And we wonder, you know, what, what's, all this, what's all this about? And Jesus refers to the fact that we will weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice, and they are, and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned to joy. What an incredible statement. Now, how many of you here this morning have heard of, about the war on Christmas? Anybody ever heard about the war on Christmas? You know, uh, yeah, I mean, in other words, the statement meaning this that, that it, is, it seems as if that the world is attacking the Christmas story, almost making it really hard for us to even say Merry Christmas in public places and, and you don't see the word Christmas very much anymore. So it's called the War on Christmas. I looked up some things about the War on Christmas and just found a few things I thought I'd read to you about this war. Some employees have been told not to wish clients Merry Christmas, but to use the more politically correct Happy Holidays Even when they know their clients are Christians, they're asking them not to say Merry Christmas. A fifth grader was told he could not participate in a school project where students learned economics by by setting up storefronts and selling products they had created to their classmates. Why? Because he wanted to sell homemade candy cane ornaments with an attached message explaining the religious origin of candy canes. And so some officials made the student remove the spiritual explanation before he could participate. So there's a war on Christmas. Students in one school were told to write an essay on a topic of their choice during the month of December. When one student decided to write about Christmas, the teacher refused to accept his essay. And we go, oh, oh, I can't believe it. Some citizens complained about the insensitivity of school board members when they refused to discontinue calling the school's winter break a Christmas vacation well uh amen well they shouldn't it is christmas and 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 we should recognize that and 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 yes maybe you are right the top five christmas songs this is the top five you can look it up on the internet are you ready for it number five is this jingle bells top five christmas songs silver bells is number four winter wonderland is number three white christmas is number two and the number one christmas song you want to guess Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost snipping at your nose. Really? What about Silent Night, Holy Night? What about a way in a manger? What about joy to the world? But yet this shouldn't surprise us. There is no war on Christmas. Church, the world doesn't get it. The world doesn't understand Christmas. We do. Welcome to the reality of living in a world that doesn't understand that Jesus came and died. It's just the way it is. And we argue, listen, we are not popular in this world. We shouldn't be shocked when we find out we aren't. We shouldn't be like, I can't believe this is happening. Folks, listen, that's the way the world is. This shouldn't surprise us. This is not a majority religion. The Bible speaks of of us on a narrow road. We are a few of many. This is not a popular thing. And when we get all worked up about what's going on in our world today against Christmas, guess what happens? We lose our joy. We lose our joy. We get angry. We get upset. We start throwing fits in the pulpit and and at the stores. and, and, And listen, let me tell you something. Jesus says, no one can take your joy from you. No one. The world, you're going to lament in this world. You're going to have sorrow in this world. And the world is going to enjoy a lot of things in this world because this is their time. But can I tell you something? I love this. Look at verse number 20 again and 21 as we continue through the text. Verily, verily, I say unto you that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice, and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in travail, had sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has del- delivered the child, she remembered no more of the anguish. That's heaven right there. That's a, a symbol of, of what it would be like to be in heaven. When a woman gives birth to a child, she's in pain and anguish. And don't act like you guys know anything about that. Right, ladies? Amen? Some of you guys look like, yes, I understand. No, you don't. <laughs> I'm glad I don't, but I don't. But yet when she has that baby and she holds that baby, what happens? She doesn't remember the pain. Because she's brought a child into the world. And you now therefore have sorrow, verse 22. But I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man shall take from you. Do you know what verse 22 is talking about, church? Heaven. 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 That's something to get excited about. I mean, when we're talking about heaven, we're talking about the place that all believers are going one day. That God has prepared a place for us. So this little bit of joy we have now, this little bit of joy that we somehow put together now in this world will be totally eclipsed and and, and absolutely overwhelmed by the awesome, never-ending joy of heaven. And all of this is ours because of the first Christmas, because Jesus came, we have ultimate joy. And so we opened the first gift. The first gift is ultimate joy. And I know you won't be able to see all these gifts, but I'm going to open them up. Just, I bought I brought these with Chloe. We went shopping yesterday. And I found the coolest little joy that I could fit in my little, my little uh, I wish I had a picture for the screen, but I don't. But it just says joy. And it's all glittery and happy and excited. And I want you to know, church, hey, we ought to be rejoicing this morning. I am so confused as to why Christians don't understand that this is what God has given us. It's a gift. It's called joy. And and when we walk around depressed and discouraged and angry and upset about the world, doesn't understand, church, get over it. Get over it. It's going to get worse. But your joy, no man can take from you. You're going to heaven. Hallelujah. Don't get so upset with the world because they're not. Help them find out what you know. Amen. So there's something about this, this gift of ultimate joy that changes our attitudes towards the world. Number two, the second gift that I see in John 16 that God gives to us is answered prayer. Ultimate joy and secondly, answered prayer. Look at verse 23 as Jesus continues to have this conversation, he says, and in that day ye shall ask me nothing, verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, He will give it you hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name, ask, and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. How awesome is that? so why aren 't more Christians doing that? why aren 't more of god 's children experiencing The joy in our hearts. All of this prayer results in our joy being full, overflowing with joy because we have seen God answer prayer. Well, a couple of things that I, a couple of reasons why I think we don't have that joy is number one, James chapter 4, verse 2 tells us this You lust and have not, you kill a desire to have and cannot obtain, you fight in war, yet you have not. Why? Because you ask now. So the first reason why we don't experience joy as a result of answered prayer is because we just don't pray. We just don't pray. We, we don't ask. We don't ask. We don't take time to say, God, here, here's what I need you to do for me today. Here's what I need you to, here's somebody I need you to help today. I, God, I need your strength today. I need your wisdom today. And so we don't experience joy. Our joy is not full. We live in, in, a, in a discouraged state because we just don't we don't pray. But number two, the second reason why is this. Verse 3 of James chapter 4 tells us this. James 4, 3, you got it? It's coming? Okay. I didn't turn to it either, so I gotta, maybe I can look it up here. All right. Let me look it up here. Just one second. We might have a little uh computer uh hiccup up there, but I got it right here. Got a hard copy. That's why I carry a hard copy in my in up here. Here it is. Ye ask him, receive not because ye ask a miss. So what does that mean? We, we, we ask a I kind of like that word a miss. I don't really know what it means. It just, I just kind of, here's my interpretation of that word. Okay. You missed it. <laughs> you just asked, but you missed it. You prayed a stupid prayer. You asked for something that was just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, that, that, that's not even on the radar screen That is just not a prayer that should be it's foolish. It's selfish stuff In other words you asked but you asked amiss that you consume it upon your own lust All you're concerned about is your little world and what you want you missed it you say And so sometimes we we don't have answered prayer because we just don't pray other times We don't have answered prayer because we just miss it But notice the qualifier that Jesus puts here in Scripture about how we should pray. Notice in verse 23. It's so cool. In that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I send to you whatsoever ye shall ask the Father what? In my name. Verse 23. Hitherto have ye asked nothing. What? In my name. The qualifier is when we ask it in his name. That's the atmosphere that should submerge everyone's prayer life. Can we ask it in Jesus' name? Now, how do we know? How can we pray in Jesus' name? Well, praying in Jesus' name means this. Number one, that you are connected by faith in Jesus. You're praying in Jesus' name when you're connected by faith in Jesus. In other words, I believe that Jesus is God's Son. He's the Savior of the world. Hey, if you believe that, then guess what? You're saved. Amen. Amen. And you're connected by faith to Jesus. And when you're one of his children, you automatically have an opportunity to approach the throne of grace boldly. And you can ask in the name of Jesus. But secondly, praying in Jesus' name means this. I'm covered by the work of Jesus. I'm covered by the work of Jesus. Meaning this, I'm covered by a robe of righteousness through faith in Jesus. Because Jesus has saved me, he has covered me with his robe of righteousness. It is his love, it is his blood, it is his forgiveness that has embraced me, engulfed me, and wrapped its love around me that gives me access to that throne. I mean, God, when he looks at me, he sees his son. How cool is that? I'm praying in Jesus' name means that I'm connected by faith in Jesus. I'm covered by the work of Jesus. I have access to the throne room of Almighty God. But thirdly, I'm consistent with the goals of Jesus. When I pray in Jesus' name, it means I'm praying according to the word of God, according to the mission of Jesus Christ, according to what God has commanded in Scripture. Not my own will, uh, not my will, but thine be done, right? Uh, So I'm praying according to... To the goal of Jesus Christ and the goals of Jesus are printed clearly in the word of God and when we pray according to the will of God in the name of Jesus you and I will receive answered prayers so why don't we receive those prayers well let me give you another quick list because maybe it's because we don't pray confidently enough and so can I give you five confident prayers that you can pray that God will answer every time number one you can pray for salvation pray for salvation in other words Pray for the salvation of someone that you know that is lost during the christmas season that god would save them That my friend is according to the will of god. Amen You see, how do you know that preacher? I know it because of second peter chapter 3 and verse number 9 The bible says that god is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance and The lord is not slack concerning that promise God says I want all men to be saved. That's my will. I died for all men to be saved. That's my desire. That's what I want. Are you with me? So when we pray and say, God, man, I, my neighbor's lost. When's the last time you prayed for your neighbor in your little neighborhood that needs Jesus? When's the last time you prayed for a work somebody you work with or maybe a boss or When's the last time you prayed for the salvation of, of someone whom you know to be lost? Amen. Hey, that is a prayer that you can pray confidently, my friend. Amen. Number two, we can pray for endurance. Or rather pray for forgiveness. I'm sorry. Pray for forgiveness. I gave you the third one already. We can pray for forgiveness. Ephesians four thirty two. I love it. Be ye kind one to another, Tend hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Amen. So when we pray for forgiveness, what are we praying for? We're praying for strength to forgive. It's not easy for us human beings to forgive us human beings, is it? It's tough sometimes. We hold grudges, don't we? Hey, the church is full of grudges. The church of Jesus Christ is full of people who just need to forgive one another. The Christian world, I believe, revival is being held back because of unforgiveness and bitterness in our hearts. We just need to forgive. And so guess what? Pray for that forgiveness. Preach, I'm having a hard time forgiving so-and-so. Pray pray about it. Well, I'm afraid if I pray about it, it'll get answered. Exactly. That is a prayer that Jesus will always answer, a prayer to forgive someone. Number three, pray for endurance. Gotta have this, amen? I mean, it's, it's, it's tough to keep on going, isn't it? But yet we find in Hebrews chapter 10 in verse number 39, but we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. And so you and I can, 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 can continue. We can endure. We don't have to turn back or draw back. We can endure. So what do we do? Here's what we do, church. We can pray for this and pray with confidence. Pray for strength to keep going. Pray for strength to keep giving. Pray for strength to keep loving. God does not want you to give up. Amen. He doesn't want you to give up. It's tough. But just pray for strength to keep going. Keep giving. Keep loving. I can assure you there's a whole lot of folks that aren't here this morning because they're not and they have, they have either quit praying for or they have not prayed for strength to endure. Can I tell you, it is not a bed of roses to be a child of God. To follow Christ to the end will bring many, many trials, tribulations, criticisms. Yes, it will. But guess what you and I can do? We can pray, God, give me strength. It's not easy, but I'm going to keep going. I'm going to persevere. Number four, we can pray for faith. God will always answer a prayer for more faith, always, every time. Mark 9, 24 tells us this. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. What a prayer, amen? God, here's that prayer for you and me. God, I'm struggling. I'm having a hard time really taking you at your word. I need more faith. I need more faith to believe that you are going to provide, that you are going to come through. God, my my unbelief is my problem. I just struggle with some unbelief in my life, God, that that you really are who you say you are. God, give me more faith. God says, you can pray that as confidently as you want. I'm into that kind of prayer. And then finally, number five, pray for gratitude. Gratitude. First Thessalonians five eighteen. We talked about this last week, right? And everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Pray, God, give me a heart more thankful, full of gratitude, more grateful. Thanksgiving Day, we had about thirty five folks over our house, and and the food was ready to go, man, ready. I mean, boatload of food. God's so good, isn't he? We had the ham, we had the turkey, we had the 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 the. the uh, The roast or whatever it was—I mean, it was awesome. Casseroles and bread—it was perfect. Caroline said, "Honey, it's ready." And I said, "Hey, we've got to do our Thanksgiving, uh, you know, testimonial." So we had 35 people in the house, and we just started here and went all the way around. And about 45 minutes later, food wasn't as warm. Hey, but we gave up on that about 15 minutes into it. It got on, it got good. Tears—I mean, listen, hey. I'm going to taste it. The food tasted better even though it wasn't as warm as it could have been. You know why? Because we gave thanks. We gave thanks. And that's what we ought to be doing every day of our lives is giving thanks. That prayer of gratitude is a prayer that we can always pray. And God will always give us more gratitude. And so listen to that 23 and 24 again. I'll move on real quickly. And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. Hitherto have you not asked, have you asked nothing in my name? Asking you shall receive that your joy may be full. And so, now the second gift. And I had a small box, so I had to get a small praying hands. Let me ask you a question about this as you look at this. How often are your hands postured like this? How often in a day does God see this from you? How often? Think about it. A minute? Does God get a minute of that every day? Ten minutes? Five minutes? Fifteen minutes? This is a gift from God. God says, I love you, my children. Here, I'm going to give you a gift. Here it is. I'd like to answer your prayers. But you're not asking. You're not taking advantage of this, this awesome gift. It's call prayer answer prayer so let's talk about the third gift okay the third gift is this the third gift that jesus speaks of here in this in this passage is a father's love a father's love look at verse 25 and you'll see that these things have i spoken unto you in proverbs but the time cometh by the way, that's interesting. Jesus did speak a lot of things in Proverbs because if he did not speak them in Proverbs, they would not have handled it. They couldn't have gotten it. I mean, can you imagine if Jesus would have just told them straight up, here's what's going to happen. They're going to come get me. They're going to slaughter me. They're going to put like a spear in my side. They're going to shove a crown of thorns on my, on my head. They're going to blast these nails through my hands and feet. It's going to be gruesome. They're going to lift me up on this cross, and then they're going to come after you guys to kill you. It's going to be a horrible thing. It'd be like, ah! <laughs> "Are you serious?" <laughs> and Jesus knew better than that, so Jesus spoke in proverbs. He compared the kingdom of God to things like he talked about seeds, right, and talked about fig trees and kind of weird stuff, but it was all proverbs. It all made sense. He explained it. He had to really break it down for them, and so that's why speaking here in a proverb. He says these things have been spoken to you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. At that day you shall ask in my name, and I shall, and I say not unto you. Listen to this. This is so cool. I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. How cool is that? Oh, this is so cool. Don't miss this, Derek. You've got to get this. It's a gift. I'm about to I'm about to give you a gift that Jesus gives all of us. This is so cool. Jesus says, there's going to come a day when I'm not going to tell you, I'll go to the Father for you. You know why? Because you can go straight to the Father yourself. Oh, man, that is so cool. That is so awesome. When he read the vow, he gave us access to the Heavenly Father, the Almighty God. Let's read on. This is absolutely... Look at verse 27. For the Father himself loveth you. God loves you. God died for you. God wants to talk to you. Now, mothers, you're incredible. Mothers are unreplaceable. No doubt about it. But can I say this this morning? There is nothing that that a child needs more than a father's love. A father's love. I studied the statistics. You can study them for yourselves. Youth suicide, uh, runaway children, behavior disorders, rapist, school dropouts, drug and alcohol abuse, incarceration, fatherlessness, 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 all of them. Fatherlessness. Study for yourself. We live in a fatherless society and we celebrate a Savior who came to give us access to a perfect, eternal Father. So if you don't have a father down here, I want you to know you've got access to a father that can love you and give you the love that no earthly father could give you. Fathers provide love and protection. And by the way, every little girl, my little girl Chloe, needs love and protection from her father. She deserves that. She needs that. But if she didn't have me, she'd have a heavenly father that could do a much better job and does do a much better job. Fathers provide wisdom and guidance. And we need that. Kids need a dad with wisdom to guide them through the through life. And, and yet, we've got a Heavenly Father that's given us a book full of wisdom and guidance. Fathers provide support and encouragement. Listen, Jesus came to give us a Heavenly Father that provides all of that and more. And so the third gift, and I'm just going to... This was a tough one to kind of figure out. What do I do for this one? So I went to a frame shop. (laughs) I'll move the pulpit in a minute. And I found this picture inside of a frame. I'm just going to tape it up here for you. I, I thought it was awesome. I saw it and I said, Chloe, look at this. Guard the aisle. I've got to take this out of the frame. It's just so cool. It's a father. I mean, when I saw this, I saw God in me. When I saw this picture of a dad just holding that child up. oh, Hey, dad, you ever done that? You ever just held your kid up throw, just, and, and you throw him up? And guess what? You think you're going to drop him? No way, dads, right? That's your. I mean, hey, can you imagine how awesome God is? <laughs> he holds all of us in his hands like that. And he looks up at us with a smile like that dad right there and says, boy, I got you. I got you. It's okay. Anybody happy right now? Anybody pumped about gifts? That's a gift. Jesus gave that gift to you when he came into the world and died for your sins. He gave you access to a father. What a gift. Let me give you the fourth gift. Lasting peace lasting peace. Look at verse 28 in John chapter 16. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world again. I leave the world and I go to the Father. So his disciples say to him, lo, or yo, (laughs) or I got it. In other words, okay, this is kind of, well, now speakest thou plainly and Speakest no proverb, wait a minute, I'm getting this now. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, the disciples said. We're getting it, God. Needest need not uh, that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou cameest forth from God. But then Jesus makes this statement. He says, do you really believe? Not sarcastically, he just says it as a challenge. Are you sure you really believe? Listen, behold, the hour cometh, yea, and now is come. That ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I'm not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have, what church? Peace. Peace. Can I tell you something? God, Jesus, (laughs) died on that cross to give you lasting peace in this life. Peace. What is peace? I like this definition the best. The calm assurance that what God is doing is best. The calm assurance that what God is doing is best. Yesterday I had a funeral, a homegoing service for Ron Splann, Diane's husband, passed away. And several of you came, thank you for coming. And you know what I pray for most when I do a funeral? God give the wife peace that That's the calm assurance that this is okay, that it was time, that this was according to your will. Peace. And God gave Diane an amazing peace. Regardless of the circumstances of the situation, what God is doing is best. Don't miss this, church. This is a gift from God. And listen, people are going through things. Look around you right now. Just just look around. People in this room are going through things. You are, and you know it. And we try to put on our Sunday best, and look, everything's cool. We're going through a lot of junk, aren't we? Hey, the birds are going through some stuff right now, right? Trying to get back to home, to the Dominican. And he testified here yesterday. He would love to be there, but visa issues and thousands and literally well over $10,000 just to get back to the country to get legal and get these visas, and I'm going to tell you, if it weren't for the peace of God by the bird, you'd be saying, no, maybe we shouldn't go back, you know. I haven't heard that come out of your mouth. Not at all. The birds are going through stuff. If Diane was here this morning somewhere in this building, and she's got a lot of family in town, and she was, I was having to take them back to airports, and, and maybe she went to another church this morning with family, I'm not sure because she has other boys in town. But I know if she was sitting here, all oh, listen. She'll be here next week, I'm sure. Eight days after, eight nine days after her husband passes away, how do you come back to church and just sit and smile and sing? It's called peace. It's the calm assurance that everything is going to be okay. I'm telling you, this peace is real. I think some of you look at me. I think sometimes my wife looks at me and and how I'm able to deal, even though I understand that she has to deal with it a whole lot more. There are times when I just want to resign my church and just take care of Gloria Ann because I know how special she is. And I know she just needs somebody to see the value in her. She's hard to deal with. She's hard, she needs 24-7 care. I know that. And it'll, it'll drive you. And I think some of you probably look at us and think, man, I feel sorry for them. Can I tell you something? Don't feel sorry for us. We have a peace that God is in control. And God made Gloria Ann just like he made Gloria Ann And it's all good in the hood. It's all good. Just don't have us over. She might tear something up in your house that you like real much, and and you'll quit the church and go somewhere else, and I wouldn't blame you. But Gloria can be a pill, but she's God's gift to us. And we have to have a peace about that. And at some point, darkness is going to give way to light, and valleys are going to give way to mountains, and God is going to prove himself true and victorious because of peace so the fourth gift is peace oops oh man sorry everything's okay you didn't see it did you you can't see gifts before you open them and so peace chloe and i found this really cool ornament i bought these with my money not church money so i'm keeping them and uh I promise. I know somebody's, thought, I wonder what he bought those things. My money, okay. Look at that, peace. Isn't that cool? Lasting peace. Number five, the fifth gift, and we're done. The fifth gift <clears throat> is an overcoming heart. An overcoming heart. Look at verse 33, and we'll be done. These things I've spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace in the world You shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Or maybe you have a translation. I actually enjoy this. If you have a translation that says, but take heart. Both are good, but I like to take heart. I just like the way that sounds. But take heart or, or be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. This is the idea. Be of good cheer or take heart. It's the idea of this. Stay after it. Go after it. Life is good. Don't be discouraged. Don't believe your best days are behind you. Don't believe that. Have an overcoming heart. You have overcome the world. I've already given you the victory. Be of good cheer. Have a courageous heart. Step up, man. Step up and be faithful. Step up, ladies. The best days of Gospel Light Baptist Church are ahead of us. They're ahead of us. You say, how do you know? I know this because we've been through a lot of tribulation. We've been through trials. We've been through hard times. And you know what God does when when people endure and persevere and don't quit and keep going and take heart and be of good cheer? I'll tell you what he does. He overcomes. And I believe 2015 is going to be one of the greatest years our church has ever seen. We have persevered. And I believe God's going to honor the humility in which we've done it. It's not been easy. We've had to humble ourselves. I know I've had to humble myself. But you know what? God will bless those who humble themselves. He will. And I'm just claiming that promise and just hanging in there. I'm going to keep on going. So gift number five is an overcoming heart. And so here's what I thought I would do on this one. I'm going to do this. No, no. Yeah. Let's put this one in here. And we'll put this one in here. We'll put this one in here. You see, because really, here's how it works. All of this is really all because of that. You see, the real gift is Jesus. He's the real gift. He's why all of these other gifts have any value. It's because of Jesus. Can somebody give a big round of applause for Jesus? I mean, give it up for Jesus. Hey! Jesus is the reason for the season. And every time, hey, buy all the gifts you can afford. I'm all for it, man. Give, hey, you know, be, be, be a good steward and be careful and get good deals, and I'm all for that. But we're not commercializing Christmas when we put gifts under a tree and give to those we love. You know what we're doing? We're celebrating the greatest gift giver there ever was. And I want you to know Jesus has given us some gifts today, and we're celebrating those gifts. We're thankful that not only is he the greatest gift, he is the greatest gift ever giver. And I want to challenge you today to receive those gifts. And the best way to receive those gifts is to receive Jesus. Because when you receive Jesus, you get ultimate joy. When you receive Jesus, you get answered prayer. When you receive Jesus, you get lasting peace. And when you receive Jesus, you get an overcoming heart. And when you receive Jesus, you get Father's love. And so I pray this morning that if there is anyone in this building that does not know Jesus as your personal Savior, that this morning you would receive him as a gift. A gift. Not for me. Not for me. It's a gift he wants to give you. I'm just the delivery boy. That's all. Every head bowed every eye closed.